0: <ii> <factors>
1: Welcome to Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs, the podcast for busy and high performing entrepreneurs and leaders who are looking to create more energy and optimize their health while upgrading their brain and personal performance with precision. I am your host, Julian Hayes II. I've been involved with health and performance for over a decade. This podcast was created for the high performer who is unapologetically ambitious, the one who moves at a fast pace and operates with an edge, the one who wants to become superhuman. Nothing here is fluff, gimmicky, or feel good. I have little to no interest in simply helping you improve your life. I want to help transform it. By listening to this podcast, expect to have a body that feels just as good as it looks expect to possess a swagger and style that gives off an infectious vibe expect to command the stage or any boardroom you walk into with your executive presence and lastly expect to become your most enhanced self so you can live a limitless life now let's get to the show Of Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. I am your host, Julian Hayes II, back at it again with two fascinating superhumans. It's <laughs> going to be a great conversation. I am here with the brother and sister duo of Matt and Allison Sinikowski. I hope I said that correct. I practice all morning with that Awesome. So I'm still undefeated on pronouncing names. So far, no mistakes. And so we are going to get into all things. We're talking a little bit about healthcare. We're talking about an inactivity crisis. And we're also talking about moving like a superhuman because oftentimes we focus on just running and lifting weights, but we forget the foundational principles that allows us to do that. And we want to live well beyond hundred. So Matt and Allison, thank you so much for joining me on this beautiful Sunday morning. How's it going?
0: Sunday morning. Thanks for having us, buddy. And we, we yeah, just said, this is our, us. our first weekend podcast, both of us doing it. So, uh, appreciate you having us on that early Sunday morning, the Sabbath.
1: Yes, this is, um, it feels very comforting, you know, just to, you know, the sun is just coming up <laughs> yeah. and you know, we're getting ready to dive into here. So I got some tea here. Hopefully my brain gets firing a little bit. So I got the it's coffee gonna, going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what I always like to do typically is go back to the origin stories of my guests. And since you are a brother and sister duo, which is the first one, I'm <laughs> curious, um, have you all been so close, even like typically I don't, sometimes you don't see brother and sister being so close with each other and doing projects like this. So was that something that your family instilled? sealed?
0: Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. So yeah, we've been we've been pretty close. We're only like three years apart. So, uh, Allison, uh, very active sports family. So dad was always into sports. So we were always going to his uh, city softball league games. His pick, you know, his uh, Thursday night, uh, men, you know, under forty men's league games. Uh, so we were always watching. We were we were active in sports right from the get go. Youth sports, youth leagues, and Allison here was uh, she was she was tomboys. 101. She was playing tackle football with me and the fellas up all the way through like middle school um, and schooling a lot of guys. And then she was playing basketball. We were both pretty good basketball players. So she she was playing up two, three years with the fellas for uh, many years and like sun and Sunday leagues and uh, coming off the bench and just like working on her jumper. And so we've been close through sports we've been close uh working with my dad who on who was a blue collar guy who's a truck driver he painted houses he mowed lawns we were always in the car with him going and doing that stuff helping him uh with his side projects so we've been like a close-knit family for a long time um so I don't think we'd ever thought we'd be working together or doing a project like this but like it it falls within both of our interests with our sports background and then, being you know being in the field Allison is I was formerly in your guys field I ran a cardiac rehab facility for three years in Syracuse New York so we've been close and Al I don't know if you have anything to add to that like little antidote but uh yeah we've been we've been doing this stuff for a while at least you know just uh you know we've never diverged apart over the over the many years we've uh you know been brother and sister here (laughs)
2: Yeah, I I mean, I agreed, you know, to I don't know if it was to his dismay or not, but I was always playing, um, you know, up with the guys or wanting to be outside with them playing basketball to the point that, you know, they treated me like that, like very distinctly remember one day somebody um, pegged me with a ball as hard as possible in my back. And I was like, devastated, hurt. (laughs) So I went in, I was crying to my mom and she was like, dude, she's like, if you're going to do that, that's what's going to happen. Like, Uh so you can either choose that or not choose that. So as mom would tell it, I, you know, tightened up my ponytail and went flying back out of the house (laughs) and was like, all right, you know, so like those little moments, you know, that um, looking back, we were together definitely shaped us. And and same, like Matt didn't coddle me, you know, when we were with the guys, if if somebody was a total (laughs) jerk, he might say something, but it was more like, if you're here, suck it up, don't complain and let's roll. Yeah, which which really now that it's funny that we talk about that is is how we kind of treat our our podcast and what we say to people is you know like it's your life
1: make it. Yeah, I mean this is a message that's needed because I mean it's you know you would have to kind of be blind right now to see that that kind of thing is going away. You know, I I remember like a cousin of mine, a little cousin, was playing sports. They came in like I think sixth or seventh place, and they were getting ready to get a um like a trophy. Yeah, I I was just really shocked by that. Yeah, and so because it was hard for me to say congratulations for coming in sixth place. I mean, right. yes, I want to reward the effort. Yeah, but that's I don't think that's setting a good example for as you get into you know your later teenager years and adulthood.
0: Yeah, and I was uh I was I I don't know how you know I'm forty, so I'm I'm right at the precipice when uh, like around fourth or fifth grade. That's just when participation trophies started and we were always kind of in mvp talk like at, at the youth level we're not you know obviously we're not pros or d1 athletes here but like we were you know, we were at the top in our region in our county and even in fifth grade i was like what is all of a sudden like fourth grade i was getting like an mvp trophy or like you know our team was winning the championship and then the next year we didn't have a good team and like i got mvp for my team even though we were in the last place and i was like look at my dad i was like what is as a 10 year old, I understood like, what is this? And it's just, it's just kept go- going that way. And there's uh yeah, it just doesn't seem to be that you'd have a 10 year old girl out there with the 13 year old boys in this day and age playing tackle football, like dropping the boys a little bit or getting dropped. And she's got tears in her eyes. And I'm like, you, you asked you? to play football and you get tackled. That's like, that's how it feels. So yeah, I, you yeah, know, that, that little edge, that little toughness. Yeah. I think you're right. It's hard not to see that. It's, it's fraying a little bit, but uh, I don't know, man, like, but we're doing this and we've been connecting on social. So it feels like, it feels like people are trying to, there's enough of you out there. And I think we're trying to get that message collectively out. And it feels like just a little bit of that reset. But uh, as we've talked offline a few times, like like not all hope is lost. It just feels like people are acknowledging it now. And are like, hey, let's just get, get back to it more formally. I feel like that's kind of what's going on.
1: But, so what was what was the origin story of, of starting the, the podcast and the podcast is Body Movement Podcast? Go with it, Al. Huh?
2: Yeah. Um, well, number one is probably I like to rant a lot about in <laughs> the True. medical field. Um, I, you know, I get a little ornery, a little pissed off pretty quick. And you know, passionate, your passionate, passionate, yeah, <laughs> passionate. We'll say that. So you know, um, I think one, you know, one reason behind it is that, and Matt's like, dude, you gotta, like, how are you gonna get your voice heard? Because I can say things, you know, I do, I, I preach what I believe with my patients and you know, people I'm around all the time. Like it's, it is me, you know, this, this is, this is what I am and what I do. Um, the, the origin of it really was in my driveway. That um, you know, Matt in our family has little things come up as we all do little pains. Um, so I have you know, a being resource asked for
0: a free doctor, yeah, being asked appointment. from
2: afar to help somebody when you don't have that individual in front of you is um, before the birth of telemedicine. You know, is was much harder. Um, but but Matt would be one that would listen to really what I told him to do and then feel better. So really, it came down to in our in our driveway at home <laughs> one day. Um, at my house, he was playing basketball, just shooting hoops, shooting hoops. And, um, I, I was know, airballing
0: I was... like 10 to 15 foot shots though. I could like, I could not reach the rim. Like my wrist was killing me.
2: Yes. His wrist, yeah. his wrist was quite painful. I'm just running around with my kids somewhere. I don't even know what he's doing. So the air balls, I had no idea, but, um, so he's running around and he's like, oh, my wrist, my wrist. So I was like, eh, let me check it out. So I, you know, check the wrist out a little bit, check some other things out a little bit. Um, And then we went through four or five exercises that were really shoulder and scapular based and just kind of doing some things to, you know, cue new patterns or just kind of help. Like the term we use is reset, which I don't know if that's the best term to use, but that's what comes to mind. And just, just kind of cue his body to use some different things. Um, And probably within 15 to 20 minutes, you're 80% better shooting
0: and I was ba- I was like banging NBA 3. I couldn't reach the rim cuz my wrist was so weak around the joint. She gave me like four or five shoulder exercises to do with a kettlebell. T- 15 minutes later I'm shooting like three pointers and I'm making them and the pain was you know 80% corrected. Um it's still, it still still lingers to this day, but every time now I have these exercises that I, I got to make sure that I'm consistently doing them, but I was like, "Okay, how, what the hell was that?" Black magic you just did, and um, man, we should talk about that. Like you know, and so you know, I I have a business background. I've been in like the content in the media space more on the back end, and she's just been doing this in healthcare. And you just see those two: the healthcare and the business and the marketing world don't mix well all the time. At all. So exa- <laughs> at all, right? And yeah, and all the marketing around health is uh trendy and influencer based and I'm sure we can get into that too which is part of why we started but I was like you know what I've been in the media space I'm seeing how content works the podcast game is blowing up everyone's got one so there's no reason not and by everyone there's like over a million so I'm, here's metrics business stuff like there's a mi- over a million podcasts out there at the time I think it's like over a million and a half now oh my goodness, there's 30 million episodes I was like but so what's one more like, and they're all niche and it's only like the top five to 10%. We were talking right before we hit record about like, do are we using this podcast to make money or you, and you're like, no. And there's a hundred different ways you can use a podcast. So I was like, we don't have to get a huge following. Maybe this will get you patients. Maybe we can make some money off it. Maybe we connect with other like-minded people and learn ourselves. So it's like, we should just start a podcast because there's a market for it. And people are interested in this and people are interested in real conversations. And do we get a big following, small following and niche following? It doesn't matter to me, but her expertise is important. And then the foundation of building yourself and taking accountability over your health, I think, as you probably do with your podcast and entrepreneurs, scales across industries and, and disciplines. So we've been talking to people in in politics, in in media, um in the military services, just if people who have just like built themselves up successfully and how that translates to whether it be health or anything else. So all, all with just one little flaky wrist in the driveway, airballing shots fixed within five minutes, started a conversation of like, we should talk about this at a grander scale. So.
2: Yeah. Cause the, we talked if, you know, if, if he, if that continued, what, what would the scope have looked like? Mm-hmm. So the scope would have looked like, yeah. Maybe you went to your primary care right. and ordered an x-ray, which was negative, so that you didn't need. And now you have a deductible and that x-ray cost you $400, right? So that session cost you $400. Now you go to the orthopedic, the wrist still hurts, and nobody's looking globally or trying to seek to understand what's going on. You maybe get an MRI. Well, that's $1,500 in our world of deductibles and medical care. And now you still have it. And Now you go to PT and they work just on your wrist, and maybe it gets 50% better. And it still lingers in this and that versus like, what's the source. So it was also a lot of discussion of where the care would go versus I know him. I've been, he has been trying and, you know, we, we, I always like to pick on that too, like the fix it mentality, you know, he is been constantly working on his shoulder blades and thoracic spine through the years. And he's way better now than he was five years ago. Still got
1: a lot of work to do.
2: You still got a lot of work to yeah. do, but, but, you know, people don't come in to a physician or very, rarely, there's a percentage that do that come in and say, I just have a pain. I want it to go away. They come okay. in and say, I have a pain. It's affecting my life. Help me. Right. So, you know, 90% better, 10% yeah. still there working on it, acknowledging it's there, but not affecting your life. Who cares? We all have pains. So that was a big discussion amongst that too was Mm -hmm. where it would go in the in the traditional healthcare
1: system yeah even that example right there of where you talked about his wrist and you did his shoulder i'm sure a lot of people would just think about hey let me do some wrist exercises or something and so um i i have something where i always call it it's a system mentality so i look at the whole human system as just one whole thing where everything is connected i'm sure you're you're doing this you do the same thing because you just went and to his shoulder instead of the wrist yeah. And that, she, that requires, and she worked her way up, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. That, requir- that requires a very deep understanding. And I'm thinking of healthcare right now, and healthcare does not go to those second, third, and fourth order effects. So, what led to kind of this, um, disc- I don't know if disgruntledness with the healthcare, but just annoyance with the healthcare world?
2: Um, for me, yeah, it's, it was a lot of, you know, when people get to me or if people don't get to me, if people, how people I love were taken care of, um, you know, I, I, you know, examples, you know, from the PT world would be, you know, our young adolescents who sprain their ankle and, um, or whatever to put in a boot and they're taken out of care or out of play for two weeks. And then when they go back, their ankle isn't great, but they're fine because just The phases of healing heal somebody, but their movement and their foundations of movement have been altered. And now six months later, they tear their ACL. And if we had just managed this injury in the beginning, I can't tell you that injury would have been prevented, but I can tell you that, you know, if your calf and quad and and everything else is stronger you do have a reduced risk of hurting something. So some of it is just seeing people on the back end when they get to me of what they've been through and what their history has been. Um, Some is, you know, point blank, you know, calling physicians or or calling somebody else about something, Um, you know, to the worst extent, I can tell you, I had a, a gentleman once an older gentleman who came in after an ankle injury and had like, legit, I don't know if everybody knows what this means, but like a tunneling wound from being mm-hmm. bedridden. So he had like a, like a wound essentially that then tunnels, which is very dangerous for somebody. Um, and I called his orthopedic and I couldn't get him on the line and I couldn't get him on online. line. And then he went back and the, the, the orthopedic was like, you're fine. And he came back to me. I'm like, you're not, I'm sorry. I, I I don't want to put anybody down ever, you know, and I don't want to step on toes. I want to collaborate. Um, And then, you know, that collaboration sometimes with in the medical field is so crappy um, where people think they're above and below. And it's like, the patient is lost. Like the patient's the center, not us. Like I, I'm trying to help you to help them and them to get better. Um, So that is like a distinctive point that sticks out in my mind where he ended up having to go to wound care and get into breeded and, you know, now you're talking vitality of a 75 year old man, um, which really really irks me. When it's probably because that individual didn't have time to listen to him or to really look or didn't care. I don't know. Um, you know, makes a lot of money. Does he not care? Like what? I don't know. But um, that's one that really sticks with me. Um, so so a lot of that, um, a lot of the lack of collaboration. Um, a lot of the, um, inability or I don't know, I don't know if it's inability or just lack of understanding of how to implement research, um, you know, into practice where people are so burnt out in the medical field, seen it firsthand where I've worked or seen it firsthand from, um, from friends where they just can't keep up with what's best for people. Um, yeah. and whose fault is that? I don't, you know, I, I. Lots of factors. Right. You know, I don't want to say it's a fault, but you know, if we're not able to keep up with the current events in healthcare and where mm-hmm. things are going, um, we all lose out, and our society loses out on the overall scope.
0: So it's like, um, it's like it's kind of like two factors, right? It's like the population's uneducated and no one's taking accountability for themselves. So, but then on the other side, the system is flawed, and how. Uh, patients are treated and what they're and what they come in in for and even how they communicate with their doctors and the doctors are stretched thin so even the best ones can't always get to the root cause because they got to get you in and out because they got two more patients triple booked in the same time slot in the room and they can only send you for a few minutes so i think from my perspective like i'm 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 trying to be like i'm the health enthusiast on on the podcast and i'm seeing that people just Follow the shiny thing on Instagram or the cool trend, and they don't get down to fundamentals. And I've been, again, I have a former fitness background. I was in cardiac, I have an exercise physiology degree. So I've been active in this space and I'm always learning and testing new things. Allison's this expert. So it's like, hey, how can we get experts to do more things like Allison to get to root causes? And then how can we educate the public to just take some level of ownership and research? on yourself and be best prepared to interact with people with Allison. But both of us coming formally me formally from the rehab side and her in therapy, she's basically seeing the full culmination of all the flaws because they come to her when it's too late, right? They've been injured. They have to rehab. People are focused on the wrist or their ankle when it's a whole nother body part because the whole body works together. And so she's going back and put, building these comprehensive programs for people like me. And to get them better holistically versus just treating your need, just treating your, so that's not happening in the system. So she, you know, we talk about the time she sees that I see it with my, my, my friends who are always asking me what diets I'm on or what exercise programs, like nobody, everyone's like, I just want to lose weight now. Or, and then on the physician side, it's like, I just want to make sure when you leave that pain doesn't hurt tomorrow. And they don't and the solution is never there. And that's how you become like a recurrent customer in the healthcare system. You you relapse, you re-injure, you have multiple surgeries, happen you know, like happens all the time. So you get addicted to pain pills, like whatever it may be, these things manifest over time. And so I think somebody like Allison just sees that on the back end as somebody who's correcting all the problems that have had happened, you know.
1: Yeah you probably see that you know both of you all since you all are pretty knowledgeable in in the movement space that people will just start to go out and run you know they'll just start to pick about up all the time. pick yeah. up this huge running regimen i mean i had to learn this lesson too um like a year ago cuz i just really got into running and I, I had to learn this lesson myself that um weight training is just not enough like i had to really adapt to a um mobility routine because um i was to, i was one of those people who Probably are a little genetically privileged in terms of I can get away with some things that uh, (laughs) I'm the same. I'm the same. That most people can. And so uh, it it takes a lot for things to like start to hurt me or anything. You know, so I guess let's start building out like a a foundational movement. So we have people who exercise here, right? But they probably have no idea like what are some essential movements that's going to make me exercise even better, but also keep me um, healthy and able to move around well into my uh, later years of life.
0: that's all that's all
2: you. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, um, I think you got to start with with a couple of concepts first before we've been talking movements, you know, one that we harp on consistently is, you know, via the World Health Organization, there has been deemed what is, you know, what is the amount of physical activity that we need in order to be healthy, meaning reduce our risk of diabetes, blood pressure issues, um, cancer, you know, all of that which is where's my listeners at? I feel like I should have like the mic up for them, <laughs> 30, you know, 30 minutes of huff and puff exercise a day, two days of resistance training a week is really what the minimum is of movement. And the third concept is to reduce sedentary behavior. So, you know, within that concept, the third one, I think um, for a lot of fitness people is lost because a lot of people will work out in the morning and get this, you know, nice sweat, nice burn from, you know, six to seven 30, be done and sit on our ass all day long. Mm-hmm. Like that's <laughs> not as detrimental as not working out, but it also, you know, okay, great. You ran five miles this morning, but what did you do the rest of the day? Yeah. And, and that might have, you know, some effects on us. So yeah. move often. So like the of-
0: body, you know, the body movement is our like movement, it, like reduced sedentary behaviors. It's just like, that's one you just don't hear. It's like, what should I exercise? What should I do? And nobody says, hey, like, also, you just can't sit for 10 hours. You just can't do it, you know? So um, that one, we, we focus right. on a lot. And the, those guidelines that Allison just gave you from the who, those are just the bare minimum to get in the door. And we're yeah. finding... Uh, the general 80%. population does not meet those guidelines. So, you know, just starting with the fundamentals is where we're at with our podcast. We would probably want to get to where you're at, Julian, like talking more advanced stuff mm-hmm. and, and maybe more a little into the science that you, you were into, but the root the root problem at scale right now is just people aren't even meeting that. So oh, yeah. I think mean, that's one yeah. start part. You know
1: De- definitely so because um you know I think a lot of people would really you know, some of the times I, some of the issues I run into is like, Hey, I want the, I want all this fancy lab testing and, and technology and everything, but that stuff, it's like the Ironman thing. Uh, I always think of that, like, yeah. you know, the technology just enhances who you already are. So if you don't have the fundamentals, you know, you don't really need this stuff. You quote unquote need to kind of earn your way to that. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's one thing why, like I said, if I, if I come across someone who wants like a genetic test or something like that, and they don't have like the basic behaviors of like eating down, they're not going to get much benefit from that because a lot right. of your results right. are going to come f- just from making good sound nutritional decisions. Yeah. This is like after all of this other stuff is basically like the last 15, 10% of yeah. the, of the equation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's, a, and again, you, you've had, I think entrepreneurs on from all walks of life and business mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, I've been, I've been more on the corporate side and like, uh, data and analytics and strategy on the corporate side. And like you see it with corporations. Like they want all those fancy bells and whistles and machine learning and all and like uh artificial intelligence to like, you know, geo-target their their customers. And like you don't even have a sales team that's good. So why don't you get some sales first? And why don't you just have them cold call and and um, you know, pre- present to clients and grow first before you start getting so smart and cute with all your data. It's the sa- it's the same. So I, like these trends again, they scale across industries and sectors. You see it. You see it same here. Thing you got if you, fundamentals. If you don't have the basics down, it doesn't matter all the cute bells and whistles that you see on social media or the cool exercise that uh, Mark Ingram was doing with. A chain and on a balance ball and like it's yeah. all it's cool it's fun to see it's entertaining but that doesn't mean you should just go out and do it like why, why don't we start with push-ups and pull-ups and body squats and stuff like that because most people even the ones that are doing it i know then people aren't doing them right mm-hmm. so you know so there's that tool dual factor of like meeting the minimum and then doing it right before you can get all to all to this advanced stuff then really optimize yourself
1: yeah i feel like there's a um I think as humans, we just love complexity, you know, even when it's not needed. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes that's needed. Sometimes things do need to be in nuance, but something like eating exercise does not really need to be that complex, at least at the beginning. And so it seems like, you know, when I think of like healthcare as well, um, it seems like there's a culture problem because um, I forgot the stats, but I looked up since the pandemic started and now that people are still gaining weight. So the stats are still climbing. Oh, and you would think yeah. if there was any point in history, um, you would think now would be the time where, you know, I, I'm gonna try to get healthier. I'm, I'm gonna try to take care of my health a little more. Yeah. So what do you what do you think are some suggestions that we could do to kind of rebuild, retool our overall healthcare system? Hmm.
0: <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> By the way, th- like that question, like I've even asked Allison in our first few episodes. Like, huh? so, like I go, how, like, how big is this mountain we're trying to solve right now? And she's like, oh God, dude, like this is like Andy Dufresne and Shawshank Redemption <laughs> yeah. digging through the hole with a pickaxe, um tunneling through. the yeah. So, go ahead, Just, Al- yeah. how we solve healthcare? <laughs> go ahead, you tackle that <laughs> one. Let's
2: see here. Well. Um, you know, from the, from the provide, well, number one, vested interests kill everything. Right. So Mm -hmm. it just, you know, it, it, healthcare, I don't know, you know, and I don't know, does it start with the insurance side of things that's possible, right. Of like, that's a possibility because, um, right now healthcare insurance um, incentivizes certain things, whether it's medication driven and that's, that's all vested interests where far, you know, pharma and insurance companies are just in bed together and it is what it is. So, so that, that's an issue. So I think, you know, that's deep seated system, trust, politics, shit. I don't even, I'll bitch about, but I don't really want to touch, um, other than to just say, pay attention, um, I think the the healthcare individuals themselves have to revolt a little bit against that um, and fight for patients. You know, fight for time with patients. Um, be able to you know put the person in the center again, the patient in the center. Um, so much can be discovered by just listening to somebody. You know, listening skills. I don't know. Maybe we incorporate that somewhere because you know, somebody's care could go down a a mental health side. Somebody's care could go down and that is what's causing pain or dysfunction or what have you. Um, We had a sex therapist on, some could be caused by emotional connection, you know, with people. Some could be caused physically by what we're doing in programming. So I think from the healthcare side, um, kind of a wake up call of like, it's about the patient. It's not about being in, in one of my mentors, Craig Levinson says all the time, like we're supposed the healthcare providers are supposed to be Alfred, and the individuals are supposed to be Batman. Like Batman shines, Alfred's in the background, doing all the shit to help you and get you in this and that, but then you do it. Um so we just and and that's societal, right? I I mean, that's a fix-it mentality for everything. I want it, I buy it, I see it, I get it. What's that? There's a song like that. I want it, I got it, right? Like I just get everything (laughs) you want, right? So that is just how we're wired right now. So, you know, it's for the healthcare providers, I'm the call to them to step back and say, you know, when you're talking to a patient, if you, if you haven't at minimum asked on a healthcare questionnaire and looked at it, what is your diet? Like, what is your sleep patterns? Like how much is your, you know, what's your hydration like? if you don't even know those before you're jumping to heavy conclusions, if something isn't an imminent danger, like rule out cancer, rule out a fracture, I think we're really, really missing the boat. So um, I know that's not really an answer to your question, but um, I think (laughs) think, it is.
1: I think it is kind of an answer because um, when I hear that, I hear personalization. Mm. i hear personal i hear personalization you know because yeah. difference like i have a lot of friends i have a lot of friends um doctors and they're cash-based practices now and Same. they they give a Same. lot more fun oh okay they give a lot more phenomenal care Same. Okay. like like the results are 80 times better so, yeah. yeah you know
2: but it's scary so it's, it's scary jumping yeah. to cash base because you yeah. don't know so how yeah how so
0: now that. allison is taking a risk right like mm-hmm. she's put but so hopefully, so what I was going to say, because Allison didn't cover that in, in her assessment there, but one thing is like, I, you know, again, I'm putting on my, now my business cap or a market landscape, uh, health insurance is a problem. Like you can only code certain things and mm-hmm. doctors are stretched thin and uh, the time spent with you, they can't fully assess. Allison's initial assessments with the patients can be as long as two hours, I think, Mm -hmm. where she just lets them talk. And that's how you get to, oh, it is your shoulder, not your wrist. Because you can go through, you can take your time. It can be, oh, it's emotional, because she's had we talked about this last podcast, the sex therapist. Patients walk out, their pain feels better. She didn't even lay a finger on them, they didn't do an exercise. They just finally vented over the history of everything that happened for two hours. Total placebo, mental. Just wow. needed to unload that right. So she's uh now again, she that didn't fix the issue, but they felt better and now mm-hmm. they were open-minded to anything she would provide her. But she left the accredited healthcare system. So I think one solve is more doctors doing that. I don't know if it can scale right now because it's more expensive, yeah, up front. Up front. Mm-hmm. So the sticker shock in the in the mentality of the patient. Which is again what I'm trying to represent in the podcast is, I know that you're trained to only pay ten dollars in a copay to go see your doctor, mm-hmm. but uh, you're actually getting ten dollars worth of healthcare by doing that.
1: Yeah, you, right. A, a lot of times you get what you pay, you know. Right. So, like, yeah, I have friends who are still trainers at, at the gym, and I, um, like, there's a trainer for ten dollars. There's a trainer for hundred dollars and there's trainers in between oftentimes you're probably going to get what you pay for not every time not often but oftentimes you are yeah and um you know that's that that that's the scary point but because there's a lot of people who may not be able to get the type of experts and help that they need you know and that's 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 what sucks on the system
0: correct and and so you you take somebody like allison or we had um Dr. Uh, Phil Ovedia, he's a heart surgeon in Florida. He started up his own cash practice on metabolic health. Um, okay. We had him on a couple episodes ago and he's cash based on that side of things, it's, you yeah. know, it's, so, um, so those practices, as you said, are providing better outcomes, which is great. Can, this is, and then this is when you get into the societal stuff and I don't know how to fix it. How does that, how can you get the disenfranchised, The people that can afford Allison now. How can those people get the best care? Are we freeing, you know, if more people start going to Allison that can afford her, quote unquote, and for one, you also got to train them. You actually are saving when you go to Allison because, or a cash based practice with a good doctor because uh, the $1,200 you pay within two months' time will get you better and there will be less chance of relapse and you won't be in that system for five years. That's a hard. That's a harder abstract thing to sell to people sometimes. Yeah. And then
2: and I think um, on, I think yeah. on a scale, just, you know, I mean, what, you know, another, you know, thing I, I'll text Matt about all the time is, you know, we watch, you know, the NFL, right? Like today will be, you know, I'm going to sit down today through the NFL and through one of the three minute commercial breaks, look at how much shit is advertised to people, whether it be shitty food, you know, whether it be beer beer food you know like like crappy health style stuff versus you know where's the commercial about you know fresh organic fruits and vegetables like there's the commercial about <laughs> right. physical activity and you know every now and then one pops in but you know the the message to the public from vested interests that are addicting and tearing us apart is heavy yeah. and yeah. you know and i and, you know is the people banding together, Matt, how much does a commercial cost for an NFL game? 30 second spot?
0: I mean, for a big game, it's like over half a million dollars. Yeah.
2: All right. So, right. Let's the three of us split half a mil about exercise, right? Like right right now, like, sorry, I'm not, I can't, but um, you know, but so (laughs) when you look at that and you look at the big corporations that are, that have the money to spend, it's just tearing us apart health-wise and nobody is out there being able to invest on the not sexy, move your body, sleep better. Like who's, who gets paid if you sleep better?
1: Uh, (laughs) No no one on the commercials. Yeah. No one, no one said, no one in the NFL half a million dollars. Supply
2: of water that's clean for us. Okay, cool. Who's getting paid if we advertise to drink more water? (laughs) Like, okay, like maybe smart water, maybe, maybe water companies could, dive into this a little bit but if they're marketing right like they're playing the marketing game too you know fancy bottles of fish inside that's cool you know all this stuff like but if you can you know i would like to see that like i would like to see the basics people who you know have the ability um to promote those basics and then you gotta figure out how to make it sexy or how to make people understand it doesn't need to be sexy
1: yeah you know Well, that's, that's, that's one thing that, you know, I have noticed because I've been both general population. And then I realized I'm much more of a specialist that's more specifically for a specific type of individual. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess my long-term strategy, when I think about that is to partner with someone who does entertainment, because that's something on social media as well is that people expect to be entertained. So even if you give the best information, you're, probably typically going to lose out to someone who's entertaining and polarizing even if it's the wrong advice because it yeah. taps into that emotion more yeah. so uh, so long term that's my strategy is to find someone who's entertaining to get that message across in, I think, in that way
0: yeah and we we've we follow each other on social now yeah. obviously this is how we got connected to do, the, do these podcasts together but i i don't know i think you've seen i'm trying and I do naturally do it. I'm just, I am being myself, but I am trying to write with a little bit of edge in my post sometimes yeah. on, but on ba- on the basic stuff, it's like, you know, I'll say like, have we lost it? Yeah. Have we gone mad that somebody preaching eating salad is bad and he's a bad person? Like I said that there. I was like, what the hell is going on when the CEO of sweet greens who promotes Healthy living and overall thing. He did it through satire. He did it through a meme. We're doing, I understand we're in a pandemic and he, like, he made, he was trying to make a joke, but he was trying to make a bigger point of we, if we, if we didn't have all these core morbidities and we were taking care of ourselves, it would have been a a less of an impact in the past 18 months. It's not to downplay it. It's not to say we can't be sensitive. It's not to say that we shouldn't be taking measures to solve it, but root causes root causes, like, have we gone mad? So I, I like, you're right. Like the entertainment point. So like, I'm, I think, and when we have you on our podcast, I'd want to talk to you more about that, even if you want to tell us now, but like, you've been doing this longer than us, but getting your message out there, getting people to pay attention to you, um, but not sacrificing yourself to do it, you know, not your integrity or uh, whatever. But so that balance of being entertainment, Plus mm-hmm. I'm putting out good information. So like, we're figuring that out. And I think that's right. Like you have, you do have to have a little bit of that shiny stuff in the window just mm-hmm. so people pay attention. So yeah, I think we're getting there, but you know, we, I mean, we just launched a couple months ago. So like, mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're figuring it out, but and watching guys like you has helped us, you yeah. know what yeah. I mean?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm still figuring that out. The social thing. So for me, I, I started to like, I played basketball and so basketball is my thing. So I thought it, I was like, I'm just going to be Tim Duncan. So I'm just going to get good. I'm just going to get good at my craft and, um, you know, even be boring. But he's a Hall of Famer. So I think about Arguably Kevin top five. Yeah, I think he's top five. So people think people. So him and KG are in the same era. KG probably gets a lot more spotlight because he's a lot more entertaining. Yeah, and not uh, even, probably not but, even close, but he's not Tim Duncan. Not even close, but KG's awesome, but he's not Tim Duncan.
0: And and KG's a Hall of Fame. That's how much that's how much better that guy was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so So boring. Shaq takes a lot of attention during that time. Kobe had the attention. You know, Mm -hmm. Iverson was my favorite player. I probably would have turned out better if I would have picked a better role (laughs) model. (laughs) Right. Because I I didn't train. Yeah, talk about being genetically blessed. Yeah, I didn't train or anything. So like I ate um like my food, I ate. Like the 20 piece chicken nuggets, a uh, supersized fry, and a sweet sure. tea before games. Sure. But I always sure. had these crazy cramps at the end of <laughs> games. And I was Weird. like, man, I was like, oh my God, I got all these cramps. And yeah.
2: so, what is wrong uh, with me?
1: Yeah. I was like, man, ah. I don't know what's going on. Right. right. <laughs> Nobody told me though. <laughs> yeah. Know?
0: But yeah, yeah. Iverson's never the guy you want to model after because he, he was a genetic freak. Yeah. He was a yeah. Freak. yeah. But you're, you're right. right but- dude. And so, yeah, the Tim Duncan's of the world um, are our message of hey, you need to push, you need to pull, you need to squat, lunge, carry, and walk. And then you got to sweat yeah. twice. You got to sweat yeah. like three times a week. Yeah. Um, so, like, sorry. Like, it's weird. There's more information about that out than ever, but it's still not gaining the traction. Yeah. Like you said, we've gained collective mm-hmm. weight over the past two years. Like, what the hell? So, I think there's got to be a level of understanding and empathy from this side of, I understand everything on the TV and on your screens is uh, placating to your desires, to bad habits, to indulgences. So we understand that. We want you to see that so you can learn how to ignore it and then where to look for actually the good stuff. Um, and that's a it's a tougher hill to climb, um, but I think it's the way
1: to go.
2: I'm reading, um, I'm reading a book right now. I don't remember who the author is, but it's called Atomic Habits.
1: Oh, James and, Clear. It's a good yep, book. Yep,
2: and, um in just, just a chapter or two in, and in, in just um, putting in perspective, you know, how to understand the process and the best analogy he was giving in that first chapter or two was about an ice cube. You know, if you have an ice cube sitting at zero degrees Fahrenheit, you know, nothing will happen if you increase the temperature in the room to five degrees. The ice cube looks the same. 10 degrees, same. 30 degrees, same, 31 degrees, same, but at 32 degrees, it starts to melt, but you didn't see that first zero to 31. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and you think about that as catalyst and he gives examples in there about cancer, about how, you know, we all have cancer cells in our body, but one day, boom, they took over. It wasn't that day. It was everything leading up to that. Um, So I think like respecting that process and more people sharing their process. I know I've talked about the book range who compares like Mm -hmm. Federer to Tiger Woods. You know, Tiger Woods, take him out. He's out. Like, he's amazing. You're not like there's going to be very few Iversons and Tiger Woods in the world that just are there. And everybody else, like a Federer, like didn't even really play competitive, like focus on competitive tennis until his high school years, like later high school years. So, but all mm. of this building of him as an athlete and a human up until that point made him great. So, <clears throat> yeah. I don't know, you know, I think it's more, you know, could there, you know, when we say like, what's, what is a solve, you know, one could be on, you know, those people in the spotlight, you know, sharing their stories, sharing their process. And you. I mean, you see that here and there and ESPN will do some stories and this and that, you know, from the sports side. Um, but people still sharing their stories about how they got through or, or how they built themselves. Mm-hmm. So you know, most people think again here to there, but it's like it's not. There's there's a gap, and we talk about that with movement a lot. Um, So I know this wasn't a question way early on, and it's like, okay, how do I start? Like, where do I go? And it's like, you have to start with the basics and fill these buckets first, and then when you fill those buckets, let's get fun or make it fun within like the small things. Um, So yeah, so I think I think the process of things is so just lost um and then no and then nobody in the spotlight is helping to make people understand that.
1: Yeah, I can relate. Like, Let me fix it. <laughs> you yeah, know, I can I can relate to that how you talk about like the foundation right there. So like I um I kind of retaught myself how to run a little bit because um distance running is different than like sprinting. And so like I was taking these crazy long strides cuz I'm I'm mostly limbs. I'm mostly just built. I'm just limbs like my uh, you know and so and so i had to learn lanky um, julian yeah yeah yeah. and so i had to learn to um like change my stride a little bit and then um and then i noticed like like my calf like um like my left like my left side it was always my left side because i think that's from basketball too so it's always something about my left side And, and so i got to thinking i was like like why is this like my left thing and so like i'm not going to ask my friends around here to like record me running but i so i I started i went to saw some videos and i started doing some very basic stretching and then i just started running (laughs) and i ran maybe like a quarter of a mile each time just to practice running slow and i was like you're talking allison's language yeah i was like this this sucks i was like this is just so boring this i'm supposed to be a i'm a performing athlete right right but like i said and you'll probably this is my physical therapy story. So I um, <laughs> in uh, college, so I was doing some ego lifting, and yeah. it was like it was like two forty. You're talking so, to the right guy. And so I uh, yeah. put it. Up. Oh, I felt weird. It's like no, no, no. Let's let's do it again. Boom. So I think it's like my pec minor, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit. And um, so next thing I know, half of my arm is like purple. And I was like, wow. This is interesting. So I was interning at a, at a therapy clinic then. And so um, luckily it wasn't a full tear, but I started um, kind of some light rehab to stop the scar tissue from, from, from further development. And that helped save my mobility apparently, because I think a lot of people would not do anything right. during that whole time. 100%. Yeah. And something that small has allowed, you know, 15 let's see like 15 years later has gave me full mobility strength still in this arm without any necessary surgeries or anything just because of that little decision. And so when people think about the fundamentals and foundations and how little things, little things can add up to huge things later in life that can come back to bite you. Yeah.
0: And, and we see that, we see that all the time Like, you know, again, we, we have, hopefully we get into more detailed sports specific stuff in our podcast. And I think we will. Um, and, but uh, you know, there's just like some basic things Al would do when uh, my shoulder stability was a problem. She would put this little ball. We talked about this on a couple of podcasts ago. She put this little weighted medicine ball on my back. I'd be on all fours and the goal is to keep the ball there. Don't let it roll off. And so she's like, can you, can you just touch your shoulder one arm at a time? And without keeping the ball off and I, and like, it took me a minute to do it. And then I did it. And then I'm like, ha, I got it. Like, I'm good. She's like, okay, well now can you crawl and do it and like move forward? And I'm like, oh, so then I crawl, I couldn't do it. And then I crawl forward. I got it. I'm like, yeah, I got it. And she's like, okay, now can you crawl backwards and do it? So like we started, but she made a game out of it was the point. And we started with something very basic and it was boring and but yet I couldn't do it. And then once I started doing it, she started like upping the ante and making it fun and became this whole game. And so I think, I think there's just people need to seek out those, those, those individuals that will like even make the basics fun. You know what I mean? Turn it into a game, um, because it's supposed to be <laughs> It's, it's yeah. like working. I am preaching to the choir. We're on a health podcast with a, 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 another fit individual. Like it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a good time. It's not supposed to be a chore. Sometimes does it feel like one? Yes. But, um, <clears throat> when you add these little, uh, you know, these little tips and tricks into it, all of a sudden following that process while it seems boring, while we're talking about it, you can make, you can make it fun during that. So that's another thing where we try and harp on a little bit more is like turning it into a game.
1: Yeah. And one of the last things I want to talk about is, um, you wrote an article recently called health is pop culture. So what was, (laughs) what was the inspiration behind that?
0: I've just <clears throat> so I'm writing for a blog. It's a startup blog called
1: Joncor.com, junk, uh, um, and I'll I'll have it in the show notes that's for cool. listeners who who um, want to check it out.
0: Yeah. So I I just uh, Allison talked Allison talked about it. we hit it on a little bit earlier. Like just the nuance in the country and the way we're debating everything is just like gone bye bye. So this is like over. And it's like people are picking teams on freaking everything and health is the one thing where how, what the phrase, at least you have your health, right? Like that's a phrase in the country. Like, so health is personal and it's become with the pandemic, it's become this weird debate uh, and, and we've let institutions like come in and control how we're talking to each other about what we should be doing with our bodies. Mm -hmm. And that somehow preaching health has become equivalent in many aspects to not being sympathetic to people who are overweight or hurt or having mental health problems. And I don't know where it went off the rails, but that's what I was trying to say. Health is now pop culture. Health is now health is now political. Fine. I'm going to, we collectively need to just accept that it is. And it's part of it. And that speaking with conviction about health, saying that you should be healthy is not saying hey you're fat. Yeah. <laughs> you're a you big jerk you loser. It's not doing that. It's saying, hey, like look at Julian. Look at me. Like we're fit. We have we we're happy with ourselves. We're good, we're lively. You can do the same. Even though I know you're going through some struggles and there's people out there that will help you. It's just to say I just said two things at once. I said it's awesome being in he- a healthy shape. I'm proud of myself. And I want you to come with me. And on LinkedIn, we're on LinkedIn a lot posting. Dude, how often do you see these influencers of of entrepreneurs or big tycoons or people from Shark Tank um, giving tough love to entrepreneurs? It's like, oh, you just want to make money, but you don't want to follow the process. You know, like you just want to get likes and all this stuff. Well, why is health any different? It's like what they're saying to entrepreneurs is, Follow the process, go through those tough times, and then your business will be successful. Don't chase the money, chase good systems, get mm-hmm. good practices, client management, lead generation. Why is health any different? If you're out of shape, the goal is to be in shape. If you're a poor or a startup, the goal is to become a Fortune 500. Neither of those happen under, overnight. And somehow in business, we get this free pass to like point and lecture to people, which I think is okay. They're just providing tough love. Mm-hmm. And so you can be empathetic while speaking with conviction. It was my point. And so I've seen this weird debate where you have to say, no, it's okay to be overweight. It's okay to not do anything. And I understand you're going through some pain and you'll come out when you're ready. People will not come out when they're ready because they won't know when they're ready. Yeah. So I think more people like like us need to be more vocal about I'm on your side Mm -hmm. and me saying that I'm in shape. Isn't saying, look at how great I am. It's saying I feel good and you should feel good too. And this is how I got here. Why don't you come with me? Like we can do this together. So I wrote an article. I had a little edge to it, a little bit, you know, a little bit of satire, but um, I, I just, I don't like the way we're talking to each other as humans today and um, preaching overall health in the midst of the pandemic somehow thinks people think that you're downplaying the pandemic. And it's like, you can do both. Yeah. Both can happen. So I wrote, that was like the Genesis miracle. And I wrote a couple on there about that. And so I'm, I'm just, I don't know, I'm trying, I, I'm taking that weight on. I, and I'm, you know, again, our following is not large, but I want, I want that message to try and get out and hopefully it will over time. And hopefully it sparks better conversation. I don't know, is, yeah. but that's where the genesis of it was.
1: Yeah. It takes time to change a culture. And I, I, and I think, you know, each, you know, if each person does their little part and, in adding to that, adding to that culture, then it's going to collectively become something massive. So Correct. I think, you know, I, I love, you know, the edge and, and the, the brand yeah. you guys already have already so yeah. i think you're i think you're going and uh Elson's i think you're doing going to two
0: and Ellison's doing it too on the healthcare side she's saying to what i'm saying to the public she's saying to her peers mm-hmm. hey you're not treating patients good enough you're not getting the root causes you're not taking the time to find out what's wrong with them you need to do better so if mm-hmm. we if we take this dual approach of making providers more self-conscious implementing better research they're providing better care and we're also in a mindset of being better consumers, then hopefully that it speeds up this mountain. We're trying to climb, which is still yeah. going to be a mountain climb.
1: Yeah, yep, absolutely. And um, um, this is, I think this is a great way to end this. Um, this has been an awesome conversation. Um, where can listeners keep up with you guys?
2: Um, so personally, well, we're on YouTube, the body movement podcast. If you search that on YouTube, that's where you find us. Um, Personally, if I have a website, www.alisonsinikowski.com. We'll just spell that out for you later. Um, And on there, I have my own little blog going. The link to the podcast is on there. And also the link to where I am for physical therapy is on there. Um, And probably in the next few months, I'll have more of a virtual um, fitness platform as well. That's coming down the line. But for now, my website is where you can find everything. And then YouTube is where you can find our podcast.
0: Yeah. YouTube for the podcast. For me, I'm just on LinkedIn, Matt Sonikowski on on Twitter, on Matt Sinikowski on Instagram. Um Matt Sinikowski. So you can just find me there. I'm contributing to johncorrer.com as a, just a contributor on that blog website. And uh we'll be eventually um taking our podcast to the audio version. We thought we were going to be very video based with physical demonstrations and stuff, but we've been having conversations like this. So we're going to be transitioning to an audio version too. But right now it's YouTube, but look us for uh, look for us on Spotify and Apple and all that stuff in the future.
1: Awesome to hear. And I'll have all this in the show notes. And great. for the listeners out there, stay awesome, be limitless. <laughs> and as always, go be superhuman. Peace.